Like I said at the end of our last podcast with Mr. Uriah Faber, the California kid, congratulations, my brother, on your win. First round knockout, 47 seconds into the first round, overhand right. The comeback is official. Uriah Faber, a.k.a. the California kid with the victory and his UFC comeback. Like I said, a first-round knockout. What a freaking performance. Congratulations, brother. And um, what I'm talking about, guys, is he had to abruptly just get up and leave the podcast studio down in California at the end of our last episode because he got called to the carpet by UFC for media day to do some interviews. We were humbled to be able to sit down with Uriah again. And while he was leaving, we, we were joined by two other UFC studs, guys that have been in the MMA game for a long time, Chad Money Mendez and Clay the Carpenter Guida. They came in, sat down. They were also joined by Michael Papa. Michael Papa, P-A-P-P-A, is one of the founders, the co-founder and partner with Chad Mendez and their Fins and Feathers Outfitting and Guiding Service. In this podcast, those two, Michael Papa and Chad Money Mendez, announce their new collaboration and brand that they're getting ready to launch with Clay Guida. It is also in the outdoor world, but it's more on the lines of fishing and entertainment. You guys are going to love the idea. I'm already excited. They've talked to me about doing a couple trips with them. So this was what our conversation was about. It was about fighting. It was about hunting. It was about fishing. It was about hunting camp, the outdoors, conservation, what hunting has taught us, what fishing has taught us, what's being in the outdoors means to us and how it humbles us and how we are privileged to do it and not entitled to do it. Chad Mendez and Clay Guida both understand that. I love these guys. I love getting to sit down with them. I love watching them fight. I love hunting and fishing with both of them. So I was excited to get to do it. We're still at Team Alpha Male down at Uriah Faber's Ultimate Fitness, and uh, it was go time with these guys. They sit down. We had a lot of laughs. Congratulations to Michael Papa, Chad Mendez, Clay the Carpenter Guida on all their success with Fins and Feathers and their new collaboration they're getting ready to launch with Mr. Clay Guida, which is in the fishing and entertainment business. This Life Ain't For Everybody, today's episode is brought to you by Uriah Faber's Ultimate Fitness, the gym where Team Alpha Male calls their home. It is the home of some of the best fighters, but you don't even need to be a fighter to work out there. Go become a member, get in shape, challenge yourself, and become a better version every single day. Read the quotes on the wall that Uriah has up in that gym. They mean something. Do what it takes to become a better version of yourself daily. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends up in Utah at Mountain Ops, the best supplements on the market in my opinion. I'm humbled to have a partnership and relationship with Mountain Ops. Thank you, Jordan, and the entire team up there. I can't wait for our 2019 duck hunt that we're getting ready to plan with Mountain Ops. Guys, check them out. From their protein to their pre-workout, their post-workout, their BCAAs, their energy shots. I love everything about their brand, their packaging. Their flavors are unbelievable, and the results speak for themselves. I'm in the best shape of my life at 44 years old. I may not look at it, but I will run you into a wall. Boy, just kidding. I'm just in a fight mood with these podcasts. And last but not least, today's episode is brought to you by Federal Premium Black Cloud Ammunition. Absolutely the best duck and goose ammunition on the market. Hands down, no questions asked, period, exclamation point. Black Cloud, guys. I shoot it because it works. Yes, we do get paid to endorse these brands, but it is evident when we shoot Black Cloud that we have less cripples. We bite into less BBs or less less shot when we're eating our game because of the pass-through. It takes the feathers and pushes them all the way through the body, and there's nothing left in the meat, guys. It breaks bones. It kills them. It dispatches the birds fast and ethical, and we don't want any cripples out there. When we do, we have dogs that will go get them. 
We understand that's part of the duck hunting game, but we want to do our best to get them in tight, work them in close to that decoy spread, call the shot, and have a clean, ethical, harvestable shot where there's less cripples. The dog brings them back. We put them on our strap. We put them on our Traeger. We put them in our belly. Enough said. Federal Premium Black Cloud, thank you very much. Y'all enjoy this. Chad Money Mendez, Clay the Carpenter Guida, two UFC legends. Clay is getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame. You guys are going to hear all about that with his fight. It's a, it was an amazing fight. I'm not even going to tell you who the opponent was. It will all be let out of the bag in this podcast. Thank you all for joining us on another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. All right, uh, so picking up where we left off before Faber uh, ditched us. Um, Belding asked me about what the atmosphere is like here at uh, Team Alpha Male. And um, I'll give you a little insight on how Faber and I met back in 2005, as a matter of fact. My brother was fighting Vernon Tiger White in the WEC out of Lemoore, California. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful town. If you guys never been there, you got to go visit. That's where I started. Uh, grape country. And um, so I went up to Faber. I, I had been watching his fights on King of the Cage. I knew he was in the WEC. And I already had like a 15-fight uh, win streak going. And I was out there by myself. I'm just going to corner my brother. So I went up like, hey, Faber, but watching you forever. <laughs> uh, I hate to ask, would you mind cornering my brother with me, dude? He's like, who's this kid? You know what I mean? But we kind of, you know, I felt like we were kind of very similar. You know what I mean? We both had the long hair. We were both wrestlers in college and stuff like that. And he was like, absolutely, dude. And um, so you never usually do that. You don't expect someone to corner somebody who's never had experience with them in the gym. You don't know what they're working on. You don't know what they're good at. You know what they can or can't do. And, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, very highly of him for that. We've been best, you know, we've been very good friends ever since. And since day one, he's always invited me to come out to the gym and come and train, you know, while I was in town, whatever. And I came out for his fight against, uh, his first fight against Jens Pulver. And uh, he put me up in his, uh, the hotel that they gave him because he was staying at his house because it was here in Sac. And uh, he was just kind of like a big brother to me, you know, from day one. And then I finally came out um, years later, and I trained. Um, after, you know, Chad knocked my head off, I'm like, I should probably go you know, <laughs> work out with these guys. And um, it was just, it was a perfect fit. Just the atmosphere that they have. Faber, I feel like he tried to kind of surround it like a, a college wrestling room. And I was a junior college wrestler, so I felt right at home with these guys. You know, they were like, some were my little brothers, some were my big brothers, but it was, and it was a perfect fit from uh from get-go and i've always uh you know felt close to these guys um in that sense and just how they run it is wrestling is my favorite sport so why not be here with these guys who have similar backgrounds and you know similar fighting styles to me and uh ever since then i feel like i've been evolving i've been improving um immensely you know since i've been out here so is it possible to be able to look up to somebody that's about your short I mean, you guys are the same age and he's shorter than you so like you look up to uriah as a guy that's kind of trailblazed this sport or how do you look at uriah is he just a buddy yeah is he a mentor what is he to you yeah i think i can speak on behalf of so many guys in the gym and so many people in the sport not just in the lightweight division but all of mixed martial arts um I definitely look up to him and what he's uh, the, he's paved the path for so many uh, fans, for so many fighters, and so many wrestlers too. You know, I was never a good wrestler, uh, still not a very good wrestler, but I know how to MMA wrestle. I know how to win when it comes, you know, to getting into that cage. And uh, Faber has uh, taught us, you know, so much about outside of the cage as well about life. And then once you get in there, different ways to win. You know, some I'm a wrestler first who knows how to win fights, but um, yeah, he's definitely. Um, I think everyone looks up to him here yeah. at Alpha Midgets. You know? He's definitely the guy that like put all the lighter weight guys on the map as far as fighting goes. You know, when, I, when I was in college, you know, I knew Faber because of wrestling, and he was basically you know, the guy that was paving the way, starting all the lighter weight excitement. People wanted to see the heavyweights go in there and just one punch knock each other out. 
Um, you know, and so the lighter weight guys, there wasn't a huge buzz about them um, until Faber. You know, he'd go in there and start inventing moves in the cage as he's fighting guys, you know, doing crazy knees from, um, you know, the guy having a single leg on him, kneeing him with the other knee and, you know, huge elbows, you know, all kinds of crazy scrambles. And, uh, you know, it, it created the buzz. And so in my mind, just like what Clay's saying, he, he definitely was the guy that we all looked up to um, being the lighter weight guys, being the wrestlers, coming out of the college career of wrestling, like, now what do I do? I'm going to go do exactly what Faber's doing. I'm going to start beating guys up and get paid for it. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say he's definitely someone we all look up to. If you guys couldn't tell, we're still at Team Alpha Male, Sacramento, California. I'm with two of uh, my good buddies that I've met through the outdoor industry, that I've met through hunting. Because of a mallard duck, I'm humbled to be able to call guys like Chad Money Mendez and Clay the Carpenter Guido, my friend. And um, Uriah talked about it before, of the humility that somebody like these two possess. The 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 things that they've achieved in the ring, like uh, one thing we're going to get ready to talk about is what the speech you're getting ready to give Guido here in a couple weeks in Vegas at the the palms which is an amazing feat that you've accomplished in a sport that is so hard and the reason that I say it's so hard and that I'm so humbled to do it and I want to introduce our third guest here in a second when it comes to the outdoors but my daughter's in her first year of MMA training up with Conviction M- um, MMA Conviction Martial Arts in Reno Nevada uh, Kelly Parati, she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, third degree or fourth degree black belt in j- Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um a sweetheart, you know her, Guida. She's got a lot of common ground. Used to train with Jackson in New Mexico. And I, when I'm watching these guys train from the five-year-olds to the eight-year-olds to the 12-year-olds to the 20-year-olds to the 30-year-olds, I'm like, now it starts to put in perspective what level you guys are on and what it is to be able to go in and compete at that level. So to do what you guys have done and then to be able to do, you know, give that validation to somebody like Uriah and what he's done is, you know, he's pretty much a trailblazer for the lighter weight fighters. He is a UFC hall of famer. And now he's just announced his comeback fight, which I'm pretty sure someday we're going to hear somebody else in this room do the same thing, not point any fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, We better um, someday (laughs) maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But through the, uh, the mallard duck through hunting through our affiliation with the outdoors our love our passion for conservation and our compassion for the animals that we pursue i think that it just shows you like you hear the word fighter and people are like oh he's just you know he's just probably mean well i couldn't say the exact i mean the exact opposite is what fighters are you guys are the sweetest most down-to-earth humblest dudes that would that would give the shirt off of their back to their family or their friends or a stranger and that's what hunters are and that's why i always make that correlation mendez and you tell me if i'm wrong and i want you to introduce our third guest here today with which is your business partner um it Michael is is are you the founder of Fins and Feathers or are both of you the founders of both it? Of us. Both of us. Yeah. I want you to talk about though about what your view is right now at this point in your life. What do the outdoors mean to you? Because I'm pretty sure that anybody that follows Chad Mendez or Clay Guida on their Instagram, and I don't know if you guys are on Facebook. I don't have Facebook. Um, you guys are first and foremost. You guys like being on the water. You like being in the mountains. You like being in the octagon. I get it, but. What does it mean, Chad, to have this to fall back on? I mean, you were literally at the height of your fight career, decide to walk away from it, and now you're a, a, a celebrity hunter that's endorsing all of these brands and living the dream again in your second go at a career. Like, you already conquered the fight game, and now you're going into the hunting game. It's bigger than that, though, isn't it? Isn't this lifestyle just the most amazing, most humbling thing that you it could is. ever ask for? It is, man, and that's something I've been doing since I was a little kid. Um, 
You know, my dad got me into the outdoors, me and my brothers. Um, you know, we'd sneak away on the weekends to get up and do our deer hunting and, you know, go to the lake and go trout fishing and, you know, get on the river and do some bass fishing. And, you know, for me, you know, like that, that was my most exciting times was when dad would say, hey, we're going hunting or fishing this weekend. You know, wrestling was something I started doing when I was five years old. The, the athletics, the sports was who I was. That's, you know, was probably at that time my first love. Um, but just over the years of doing all the outdoor stuff, I've really grown to, you know, really just appreciate everything that it has to offer for me, for my family, my friends, being able to provide so much, you know, amazing meat to everybody and live off of that for me is, um, it's huge, you know, and that's why one of the main reasons why I hunt, um, and why I fish, you know, and, and I'm sure Clay could probably say the same, but, um, you know, for me, it was just different chapters of my life. I know we talked about this last time. But for me, it was, you know, going from being a five-year-old up to, you know, seventh, eighth grader wrestling, my goal was to get into high school, be a state champ, you know, be at the top of, of my high school game so that I can get recruited and go to a college to wrestle. You know, I ended up doing that, got recruited to Cal Poly, um, wrestled there. The goal after that was to continue competing. Um, I got my degree and I wanted to be a fighter. Met Faber, you know, and... and moved into the fight game. You know, that was the next chapter of my life. Um, I did that for about 11 years. <clears throat> you know, I knew the next chapter of my life, you know, the fight game is tough. You know, this isn't something that we can do forever. You know, we don't get retirement after, like that's all on us. So for me, it was, how am I gonna build a brand doing something I absolutely love, which is hunting, fishing, the outdoors. How am I gonna build something to where when I'm done fighting, it's successful enough to make the transition to where I don't have to rely on the fight game anymore, you know? And so me and my good buddy, Mike Papa, came up with Fins and Feathers. We launched that back in 2015. And, um, you know, I think the fight that really pushed me to really get after starting Fins and Feathers was the Frankie fight. You know, I busted my ass in that, that training camp, you know, put a lot of time and energy and effort just like I do in all of them. But, you know, that was going to be a special fight for me. You know, Frankie is a special fighter. He's, he's a legend in the sport. It was a guy in my mind I knew I could beat. <clears throat> and going in there and getting caught in the, in the first round like that was like, man, that's an eye-opener for me. You know, this sport, anything can happen at any time. I can't, it's not always determined on how hard you work. Like, I feel like I worked harder in that fight camp than I did any, and something like that happens, you know? And so, um, you know, for me, it was like, I got to start something now. You know, let's, let's get this going. I reached out to Mike. So let's, let's get on this. Let's start getting our business license all in order. Um, you know, we're going to start doing all the stuff that needs to be done, and let's launch this baby. So What is this? So Fins and Feathers is, we call it like an outdoor celebrity service. Um, what we do is we take people, we put together a year-long schedule, different trips all over the world. We have mule deer, antelope, elk, you know, cool fishing trips into Mexico. Um, we've gone to New Zealand for Red Stag. Um, you know, just different stuff all over the United States, all over the world. Um, set the schedule. We have like 20 different celebrity pro staff members. Guida is one of ours. He loves fishing. So we'll book clients on the trip, and then we put one or two of our, sometimes even more, of our celebrity pro staff members on that trip with the group of clients. Everyone goes, has a super fun, cool, unique trip, um, and we just keep doing that for the year-long schedule. Michael, why would you go into business with somebody like Chad Mendez? Well, <clears throat> it's actually a cool story. So I used to deliver down to Uriah's original gym, and that's how I met Chad. It was a good place for me to go get out of the heat and have my lunch. And uh, 
So I see this kid training one day and I'm watching him like, man, this kid's got some talent here. So we started talking and we both hunted and fished. And so uh, my family farms out in Atomas. So I was doing some dog training. So I invited him out. I'm like, hey, why don't you come be my shooter while I, you know, work my dog over some pheasants? Man, he jumped on it and he like beat me out to the field. Mm -hmm. So that kind of started my friendship with Chad and we just became hunting buddies. You know, I, I became friends with his father and we just did a lot of hunting together and uh, just a lot of passion there, you know. And so that's kind of what started it. And Fins and Feathers took off. And, you know, one thing I'll credit Chad and I was we try to think outside the box and put some cool trips together. We do combo trips, you know, and um, and then Chad just took it to a whole different level. So, yeah. So what is your role? Well, I'm a guide. I guide uh, some of the hunts, um, some of the trips I cook. It just, you know, whatever I have to do to fill in and get the job done of whatever it is in front of us, you know? Yep. We both run a lot of the social media stuff. You know, over the last couple of years, I've really showed Papa a lot of the, the insight as far as, you know, growing a brand on social media. You know, obviously I'm not a pro, but learning from so many people in the outdoor industry. You know, I got Jordan and Casey from Mountain Ops who are some of the best um, marketers. At, yeah, best marketers in the business. And they're around my age, you know, being able to pick their brain, Eric Chesser, the guys at the hush, you know, do all the hush stuff. Those Chad guys, building. yeah, building, building has <laughs> been a huge help. So, I mean, being able to just pick all those guys' brain on all this stuff, you know, and I've kind of learned a bunch of stuff and then just translated but that what, over Papa. But what makes you a guide now, Mendez? Are you a guide now to where you can take somebody's money and that responsibility lies on you. And this is what I love about fins and feathers is that it's, it's never about the amount of inches or the pounds of fish. Now we all do understand that that comes with hunting. You had an unbelievable antelope hunt last year. I think you killed an 86 inch goat, which is a world-class antelope, no matter where you hunt, no matter where you kill it. I don't care if it's Wyoming, Montana, Utah, Idaho, Nevada, that's a big goat anywhere. That's a Boone and Crockett antelope. But that doesn't happen very often. Fins and feathers is more about the 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 experience, the, the experience, the joking around, and especially the camaraderie. And and one thing that I see with you guys in Guida, a hundred percent, is in a day and age where it's so easy to be fake. I could cover up. I could take a picture with you guys right now and put it on Instagram tomorrow and, and say that I'm an MMA fighter just because I'm hanging out at this gym. <laughs> you really can. Oh, I know. In a day and age a where somebody can have a flat stomach and put a holster on their hip and then develop credibility within a potential customer base that they know what they're talking about when it comes to marketing that holster. I'd like to know if they could actually take a gun out of it and operate a gun with security and safety in a day and age where it credibility means less and less in marketing. What I see you guys doing is that there's no fakeness in it. It's here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Texas and get in a helicopter. and We're going to shoot pigs and we're going to have a big time. Clay gets on a boat and you would be like, dude, this guy is like, uh, must be on a movie set. And it's just a bunch of different <laughs> settings of these lakes and rivers uh -huh. and streams and freaking guys fishing every day. And every day it's the same thing. Love life, live it with passion, fish hard, play hard, live hard, love your family, love your friends, have everybody's back. And there's no fakeness in that. And that's the difference that it's almost hard to pick that out in social media. I know that you guys are like that. And when you follow you guys, you're like, these guys are always happy. You really are in a day and age where you can fake it. That's one thing that I see in Fins and Feathers and the Clay Guida. And now it's kind of gelling and morphing into even more now because that kind of attitude and that kind of outlook in life is contagious. Yeah. And when you have that kind of contagious 
personality like Guida's is in you. Like Uriah sat, sat here for five minutes and said, Mendez is that guy that you just want to wake up to. And I said, so is Guida. And we started <laughs> yeah, talking about it. That's so special to have. And now that it's starting to morph even more, it's almost like you guys were brought together for a reason to where you're cut from the same cloth in a way. And I know that you guys speak very highly of each other, but Guido, is it, am I, am I hitting a nerve there to where you really are this happy to be fishing every day? Is it something that you just can't get enough of? What, what's, what does it mean to be? And I want you to talk about how this is morphing into it, Mendez and, and, and Michael about where is it going from here with fins and feathers and the Guida enterprise now, but start with you, Guida, just like, I see the smile on your face right now. You're thinking about fishing. Was it like this when you, when you got rods in his car, when you go to a County (laughs) fair, were you like, like this in the goldfish game where you would throw the ping pong balls into the little fish tanks and you just walked out of there with an armful of goldfish. What is it about the outdoors and the fishing that makes you get this jovial about it? I tell you what, there's some some things in life you just can't fake. And I was terrible at that game growing up at the circuses too, the carnivals, man. That was like one of the hardest ones. What is the limit on goldfish? <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's very similar to Chad's story. When we were kids, we were very uh, low middle class. You know, me and my old man installed carpet. I always thought, I always told people he was a carpenter. He's like, no, no, no. There's a difference between a carpenter <laughs> build houses. He's like, I, I lay the carpet, I lay the rugs in their home, you know. And, uh, you know, my mom worked very hard, but we had very meager funds, you know. So when we were, when we found out my old man rented a John boat for probably back in the 80s and 90s, it was probably 50, 60 bucks a day or something, you know. We're talking the aluminum boat with the freaking mm-hmm. little 15 horse or 20 horse in the back. My mom and dad would bring the cooler full of food because we didn't have enough money to go to restaurants on the water. My dad would have six or seven rods. We'd have Remember the bamboo rods back oh, in the yeah. day, oh, too? Yeah. yeah, he would oh, have my yeah. grandpa's bamboo rods. Um, so it was very, we were, me and my brother and sister, we were excited by that. We didn't care if we were on a freaking skiff. We didn't care if we were on a 100-foot yacht. We didn't care if we were on a little raft. The fact that we got to go out there and just catch little bluegill or catch bass or catfish, you know, and watch my old man fillet these things, cut the heads off of them and just, you know, fillet these things up. Those were the experiences that I remember to this day that, that make it all worth it, that I'm able to do now with these guys, you know, and be able to pass on that knowledge and, you know, let other people explore the things that maybe they didn't get to do as you know as a young child you know so I'm, I'm super super fortunate and thankful for that and um, i want to just be able to pass that on to the younger generation were you like this when you were banging nails were you this ex- excited about waking up in the morning and, and putting your tool belt on dude i tell you what my a lot of my foreman and a lot of my uh co-workers the other guys um you know the, the uh, what do you call them the, the, not the apprentices, uh, the journeymen, they would be like, wait, you got to slow down. You're going to jump off the roof and somebody, you're going to hurt someone. And I'm like, we got to get some work done. Cause I could, I was fighting at the time I was building houses in the Chicago carpenters unit. I'm like, dude, this is part of my workout. I got to go fight. I got to go wait in Friday. I got to fight Saturday at the freaking boot scooting bingo hall in Indiana, you know, where Elkins is from, you know, or I, I gotta, I gotta go up to the freaking Des Moines, Iowa Valor ballroom, which is a bowling alley. We were fighting these hodunk, <laughs> crappy you know venues but that's what it was all about man the experience to get you into the ufc because at first i was like yeah i thought back in the day when i started watching ufc when oleg taktaroff and ken shamrock and these guys were fighting tank abbott i'm like this dude these guys are crazy i'm like this is the wild i was in eighth grade we had the vhs tapes yep. and i thought these dudes were the craziest shit. i never thought i'd be doing <laughs> that let alone going on 13 years in the ufc i just love to wrestle and then I thought, you know, I was pretty decent at fighting. You know, I started to expect to win, which I didn't expect to win in wrestling at a young age. Um, but it was just kind of one of those things. I used every moment on the job site as a, as a workout 
to get, you know to get ready for a fight and these dudes thought i was nuts i'd be go humping lumber i'd be <laughs> jumping on the stacks busting lumber throwing up forms up to these guys lifting two or three sheets of two and or half inch or three quarter plywood up to these guys on the roof and that was all i i just wanted to get out of the carpentry industry in, carpenter industry so bad because i wanted to live in the cage you know and then that opened the doors for me to fishing and God, i can't even imagine like if his working style is anything like his fighting style those guys were probably losing their freaking minds, just him bouncing all over the place and like throwing stuff and tossing stuff. And so, you're, are you saying that is, is what's the word to describe his fighting style, man? Is, is it unorthodox or is it just very un- unorthodox? <laughs> just, He's just, like a Tasmanian devil. So, how did you prepare for him when that, that when that day Dude, came when you signed on that dotted line? Honestly, like we had guys on our team that were trying to like mimic him. Yeah, it's not even close. Like you can't. <laughs> Like, you can't even do it. So, I mean, in my mind, it was just like, we're just going to get in there and see what happens. But, yeah, it's it was tough. It's tough to prepare for a guy like that. Him and I'd say, like, a guy like Dominic Cruz. Like, it's a very, very, um, I don't know. It's it's very, very f- uh, few and far between the styles. Like, finding someone that can implement him or Cruz, like, it's, it's going to be tough to do. So, when you talk about the the way that he fought and the way that he does business and the way that he worked on the uh, as a as a, a carpenter, now you guys are taking this business relationship to a different level. And I don't know if you want to announce it here. I don't know if it's been announced anywhere, yeah, but you guys, should, yes. you guys have a new brand that you're getting ready to launch along the. Yep. With, it's going to be a sister company off of Fins and Feathers, and it's going to be a kind of the same deal but a really cool way of networking what you've built over the years Guida because if you do pay attention to your lifestyle which I do because I'm 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 not I never get envious or jealous but I'm very intrigued I love being intrigued and inspired I find inspiration in, in, in a lot of different ways and me and you share you and I share a common bond of concerts well I love being at live music I've been to some with you Mendez yep. I love being in the in the mix i just like live music i like the way it makes me feel i like the way the camaraderie that it presents um so you guys are going to mix the fishing outfitting business strategically placed where there's going to be concerts fights athletic events going on to where now you're going to be able to invite that person that's been living through you guys vicariously now they're going to be able to get in that front seat of that pickup truck and ride with you. Yep. Hold that rod with you. Get in that concert line with you. Go to that meet and greet with you. Maybe hit a little catering. Maybe be down on the field for batting practice or down, you know, octagon side talking to somebody before the fight start. I mean, that's a badass freaking business plan. Is that kind of along the lines of where it's going? I think you nailed it on the head, man. Yep. Yep. And I just want to say I'm super excited. I mean, we've worked with Clay just through, you know, being one of our Fins and Feathers celebrities now for the last few years. Um, I mean, his work ethic, his passion for the outdoors, for fishing. I mean, you guys all see it if you follow him on social media. It's bar none. I mean, and being able to help Clay, you know, take what we've done with Fins and Feathers and you know, try to teach him kind of the things that we've learned, maybe things to do, things to not do, and just help him grow this brand is going to be huge for us. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm super pumped to get this sucker started. So you want to tell him what it is? Tell him, Clay. Yeah, guys. So Fins and Feathers is going to be presenting uh, a little side sister company called Gills and Thrills with Guida. And basically what it is, it's oh, a fishing and, and entertainment guide service. Uh, people know how much, uh, <laughs> how addicted Chad and I are to fishing. So I want to take that one step further, um, you know, use your imagination. You know, we're down in Louisiana, down in Delacroix or down in Venice, Louisiana. We take the guide out 
you know, two or three clients, three or four clients, whatever. We go catch 20, 30 redfish one day. And then later that day, we go get a nice dinner, and then I take you guys out down on Bourbon Street, and we go see some live music, or maybe we go see a New Orleans uh, Saints football game. So wherever, um, you know, whatever fans, whatever concert is going on, like I said, we're going to book it about a year out and, you know, fill up our schedule. You guys are Bears fans. We're going to be doing Bears games, you know what I mean? Uh, sometimes we'll do a doubleheader. You know, we'll go fishing on Lake Michigan for salmon. Then maybe after that, we'll catch a few innings, of, you know, over at uh, Wrigley Field to see the Cubbies, and then maybe we'll go hit uh, – a night game, you know, a Sunday the NFL game and see the Bears or something. So I kind of, what I wanted to provide is giving people that next level, not just cutting off the relationship after fishing. You know, because a lot of people know sometimes the fishing be can be really good and sometimes it can be really bad. I want them to have an awesome experience and give them a little inkling into what we get to do, whether it's their favorite fighter, their favorite musician, whatever it is. I want to bring them out and give them a little experience of what we get to do and what we're so thankful for. Well, I could see a boat on the Sacramento River. You guys with your shirts off. Thinking about three hours right now. Up, <laughs> yeah. And you got and your clients are all out there and you're drinking a cold beer and you're catching stripers. And then you come over here to the amphitheater off of 65 over by Marysville. You call Chad Payne and now you got this, this is Zach, Zach Brown, Brown going on. Family, dude. Brown yep. That's what I'm you, you guys about. are both big friends with Zach and, and, and Chad Payne and them. And it's just like that network that you take so much pride in building over the years and not taking people for granted and living life with passion and, and not... Not just going through the motions when it's so easy to do that. And that's where I was going with my comments about how giddy you guys are to be on a boat fishing. It's never fake. It's like you guys are, sometimes I find myself in duck blind going through the motions because I'm like, how many days in a row can I do this? And I catch myself right then and there and I kick myself and I go, listen, dude. You're blessed to do this. Yep. Don't start taking this shit for granted. Just because you've been here, done that. Don't start cry me a river because little pity party because you, you didn't get much sleep last night and you're seeing the same mallard ducks do the same. No. <laughs> so I catch myself quick. And when I watch you guys, I'm like, man, these guys love doing what they're doing. So when you take it to that next step of, of live, you know, showing these guys that they can come live this life, people are going to go nuts for this kind of deal because I would do it. I love when I get to, when I get to bring somebody from Benelli, let's say George Thompson and JP Fisher from Benelli come to camp and all of a sudden they're sitting around a campfire and we got Drake white or Zach or somebody playing the guitar. They're just like, they're what? shocked. Where, where have I been all my life? You know, like it's a different, <laughs> it's easy for us to wake up and yeah. go, yeah, we did that last night. And it's almost easy to take it for granted sometimes because you guys have, honed your skills and mastered your skills of being somebody that people want to be around and that's a talent that is a livelihood that is a revenue stream and people look at it and go well i can do that well it's not that easy that's why this network that you've built is so important and somebody like papa catches looks at it and goes yeah, man, this is an unbelievable idea. This I'm not saying that it's you guys are becoming billionaires. I don't care about the money. Yeah. I'm talking about the love of life and getting to do what you do to where you don't go have to have to go pick up that hammer nails. Not to say that you wouldn't do it with pride and be with giddy about it. But now think about what you just explained in New Orleans and you come back and you do it in California, then go up to Soldier Field and do it with a Kenny Chesney concert and some fishing out on Lake Michigan. Are you kidding me? Like that's the coolest lifestyle you could ever imagine. It's gonna be so awesome. I'm actually excited. I'm gonna go on some of these just, just yeah. to tag along. But yeah, right. I think it's gonna be fun, man. It's a new, like unique experience. And that's one of the things with fins and feathers. Like that was our whole business model. Like we gotta you could go to any hunt expo and book any pig hunt or deer hunt or elk hunt. And it's going to be the same thing. You know, it's, I'm sure it's still going to be an awesome trip, but it's kind of, you know, it's repetitive. Let's take this, let's take all these trips. How can we put a little twist on it, make it something that's new, unique, and just something that people 
especially someone that's you know booked an elk hunt since you know how or a deer hunt for the last 10 years how can they do something a little bit different so adding these different celebrities on there that absolutely love the outdoors they love hunting they love fishing um they're all cool people i would never send any anyone that's a jerk or anything like that on any of these trips so i they're all my buddies i know that every single one of them um is there and excited to be there and would love to do anything that they're doing and just be cool with fans you know and so um that, we put that together i think what clay's doing here is going to be just as big if not bigger the idea awesome. of yeah, oh, yeah. I, I also I, it's gonna be well, so cool what were you say, well i was just gonna say you know we try to provide you know substance there there's got to be substance you know and you know we all have a passion we've all been in the outdoors our whole lives so you know we do enjoy this and especially when you get to take people out that are new to the industry or new to hunting you know especially in this day and age with so many things for the kids to do you know it's nice when we get the kids out there and be able to spend time with them also but it's just the substance of our trips and what we provide the people, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of puts us in our own little category. Yeah. I, I think that, I think it's a cool category and a cool mentality to be able to take that responsibility because as in, in the outfitting business, the guiding business, it's, it's something that you can't go through the, you have to yeah. have, you have to be thinking along the lines of like, look, we're taking people's money to, we're not guaranteeing them a limit of fish or a 400 inch bull, but we are going to go above and beyond to make this experience mm-hmm. to where they're going to go back and tell their friends and they're going to rebook every year. And they're going to be looking for that next experience. Where's Guida going to take us next year? Might be down in Fort Lauderdale, go out, catch a sword or a Marlin or a, or a sail. And then we're going to go over to the Tortuga music festival and watch, you know, a, a good country band, whatever. There's just so many things that yeah. can happen. And I keep going back to the network part of it is, Think about what where you're at, Guida, right now at this point in your career. What are you 35 years old? 37. 37 years old. Like you I'm might be coming fight. towards the end of your <laughs> fight days. You don't know. You might fight for another three years. Uriah just comes out of retirement. Somebody else in this room might come out of retirement someday. <laughs> you never know. You just I'm never thinking know. about it. A little push. Right? <laughs> Papa keeps yeah. trying to <laughs> spread rumors. He's lost 20 pounds <laughs> in this uh, sauna so far. Oh, yeah. Sweating. You never once had the ideology. I would be willing, if I was a betting man, which I am in some instances, I doubt that you had the idea in your head that you were going to launch this business someday as you were going through life, making these friends and, and lining up this network. And now you look back on all of those trips, all of those days at the bowling alleys fighting for, for probably peanuts, you know, at the beginning and then opening up doors and, and you kept your humility through the entire thing. After all the success, and I'm getting ready to go into one of the most main, probably the biggest successes of your life besides the person you've become to be, Guida, is you're getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame at the UFC in the wing of fights as with your fight with Diego Sanchez, three rounds of hell, that I call it, but... It, it, I don't know if that fight put you on the map, but it damn sure defined your career as that guy that, that was going to make sure that he wasn't going to give in to anything. Did you have any idea that your career would take you to the hall of fame, that you would be starting this business back when you were in those bowling alleys and coming up as an up and comer. I got to be honest with you, man. Absolutely not. It was about the same thought as, uh, you know, when I was watching Ken Shamrock, I'm like, these guys are crazy. Who would ever fight in UFC? Who would ever want to get their face <laughs> smashed? You know what I mean? Like, and that's when I was wrestling more than ever. I was in eighth grade. I was in the, I was a state finalist in Illinois and I loved wrestling, but I'm like, these guys are going to kick and punch each other. They're out of their freaking minds. <laughs> so now the fact that we came up with this concept, um, for gills and thrills, you know, off of fins and feathers. Um, and now that we're going to be entering, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame, UFC Hall of Fame with Diego Sanchez because of him, um, it's, a, it's a dream come true. And I keep saying it, and I'll say it again, that uh, the best is yet to come, man. 
It's awesome. And should we talk about our upcoming trip? Your first one? Yeah, let's do that. Should we, should, should we talk about that now? Yeah. yeah. Apple, what do you think? You want to? Yeah, I think so. So we're, we're going to launch Gills and Thrills uh, July 13th at Faber's Comeback Fight here in Sacramento. So we're going to have four clients. We're going to take them Friday fishing down in the, in the bay on the gate crashers. We're going to go for stripers, halibut, a few other species. Uh, Friday night, we're going to hit up a team alpha male party, get some rest. We'll come back Saturday for the fight. We're going to meet down at McCoonies. We're going to have a, a late lunch and then we'll take the clients to the fight enjoy a nice fight. And then after we're going to take them to the, uh, after party Ooh, favors after lame. party. And so, uh, that's, that's going to be, awesome. that's going to be a Start great trip little, right little there. Kickoff. Yeah. Is so. it sold out already? We haven't even, this is the first time <laughs> we've talked, talked about it. This is the first time we've talked about it on so, in might, public. You might want to buy the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's another thing, Chad. I, I think even what we're doing, we're, we're very competitively priced out there, our hunts and everything. Uh, getting back when you asked us about guiding and, and stuff like that, you know, one thing I've I've seen with Chad guiding is it really runs parallel with him as the athlete with his dedication, his determination. The guy's in great shape. He you know he could go forever with a client if the client wants to go. Uh, it's it just all ties in. I, I really think Chad's become a great guide out there in the outdoor industry. Then there are a ton of great guides. Chad's right there with him. You know I see and it. I just want to I just want to put it so. For me, the, the guiding is absolutely amazing. Um, I do have some buddies that are full-time guides, and my whole thought process with Fins and Feathers is I don't want to just completely consume all my time with guiding. I love helping clients. I love you know going out there, especially the, the younger kids or beginner hunters. Like That is absolutely amazing to me, being able to help them. For me, it's kind of splitting it up. Like I, I have some states where I have my guide license, but a lot of the trips that we do, I just put it in the hands of the outfitter that we team up with. And I just go there and I want to hunt. I want to fish with the clients, you know? And so I want to be right there doing the same stuff that they're doing and just be a, a part of the team, I guess. You know what I'm saying? So for me, the guiding part is awesome. I love doing it, but I just, the business model for me with fins and feathers was not completely consuming my time. I think we were talking about earlier, like what it's like for me to be a guide. Um, and I love it. absolutely love it. But I think finding that fine, the fine line of being able to hunt and do the stuff with the clients and then just taking them under my wing and showing them and guiding them, I want to keep there uh, like a little bit of space for the fun stuff for me as well. Well, and then also, too, um, you know, got to think logistically, we can't set up in every state and go guide or scout everything and all that. So it does make sense for us to provide top quality trips for our clients to hook up with other outfitters in other states. So can I add to that real quick guys? Yeah. Uh, just to show you how much of a giving heart Chad has, um, he be recently became a father. Yeah. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks buddy. And, uh, one of the latest trips was you guys heard the helicopter hog hunt, uh, near Austin, Texas, and Chad couldn't make it. So he hit me up. Papa hit me up. They're like, Hey dude, I know it's short notice. A couple of guys fell out. Do you want to fill in and go, uh, shoot some piggies from a chopper? I'm like, that's freaking lootly, man. <laughs> Um, so just the fact that, you know, Chad thought of me and I got to go out and do something like that with Papa and these two sets of dads, um, it was a small, small client trip. It was two dads and two of their sons, which was perfect. It was father's day. It was yeah. awesome. It perfect. was father's day weekend. And I had already planned to be back home to be at Wrigley field for two nights of grateful dead. One of my favorite bands. <laughs> I've <laughs> yes. seen them a hundred times. Once I got the opportunity, Chad John asked me, Mayer? you got it, man. Oh God, he's awesome. He's pretty awesome, man. But I'm uh, not saying I would, but yeah. I might. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be the only guy. You'd be the only guy in this room. But I mean, when he plays that guitar, you're just like, oh, good the guy freaking thrashes, man. He's, he's amazing. Right. 
But um, yeah, from just the, the very beginning to when we got picked up uh, by, was it not Wise Light Arms, uh, Last Shadow, they picked us up and then they brought us to, I mean, you guys are all hunters, I'm just getting into it. We've all been down those country roads and then you see those huge gates with like a, this one was called Stone Creek Ranch. I'm like, and then the doors open up. You put, type in a little code, and we come in on this 300-acre property, and we see these axes, deer, and these all these exotic animals jumping. I'm like, where the heck are we, Pap? I'm like grabbing onto them. And then we pull up. Uh, we see two ponds, and Pap, uh, Pap had already told me. He's like, dude, uh, they got a couple ponds with some five, some eight-pound bass. So I brought a bunch of uh, – I knew if there was any question of getting Clay to go do this, I just had to tell him there was a couple – Yeah, a couple of ponds with bass in it, and he'd be all over it. Oh, yeah, I brought, a, I brought out a bunch of fishing lures, a bunch of plastic lures yeah. and everything, and we pull in. We see the ponds, and then we see this huge lodge. I'm like, first thing I said, first, like, was this a church? Yeah. <laughs> first thing Guida says to me, he goes, hey, is this a church? I go, no, that's the lodge where we're kind staying. Of, in a way, yeah. He in thought a way, we were yeah. like out in the backwoods. And that, yeah. That's how big this place was, and the huge 15-foot-tall French doors open, and it was just, I mean, all these exotic uh, mounts on the walls. There was a 12 or 13 foot crocodile stuff <laughs> taxidermy. I mean, when you walk in, and they, they wait out, they waited on us like hand and foot, like we were royalty. And as soon as we walked in, they had food immediately. They had uh, bacon wrapped quail. They had <laughs> pineapple chunks uh, soaked in 151. They had beers in our hands before we even <laughs> shook their hands. I mean, it's just top notch with fins and feathers. You're going to get top notch service. Jealous. At, at every, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I just, I just absolutely love seeing the fashion. And I have the same. I, I, I got to pinch myself all the time, man. As you've known me longer than these guys have. And it's like uh, my, what, what, what I get to do just blows my mind in a hum, humble way. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, are mm-hmm. you serious? Like, and I, and I relate it to, I don't relate it to this, but I, I break it down to this is that I don't think that there's a cooler lifestyle in the world than being a provider. And when you say things like bacon wrap quail or axis deer backstrap or tenderloins or striper chowder, which I just had for the first time uh, last month so off of the Sacramento River. It blew my mind. When you, when you, when you, uh, when I get goosebumps thinking about that, like the way you do, I, I would assume you three do. I don't think that there's a cooler way to live your life. I don't think that you can go, you can't go through the motions in this life and call yourself a provider. To be a provider is actually going out and putting meat on the table in an ethical, morally correct, legal way that never ever shows disrespect for the for the game that we're pursuing whether it's fish or a four-legged animal or a bird in the air i say that because we are the most compassionate people on earth when we're looked at as people that are out actually out there killing fish and killing deer and killing ducks and i think that that lifestyle that you guys are bringing to the forefront with something like this of putting it on that celebrity quote-unquote celebrity spectacle to where people can come and live in that life i really want the common denominator the, the common theme the outcome to be look we're providing for our friends and family through this our livelihood the meat on our table the protein in our diets our organic living off the land hippies didn't invent it hunters did and i'm not and i know that you're part hippie too Guido. i'm not saying that hippies are bad i love hippies hunters I'm, did it long before we did it i'm just saying that hunters have been living off the land for hundreds of years and i just don't think mendez tell me if i'm right or wrong is there a cooler way to live your life there isn't and i it's and like i said it's something i've been doing since i was a little kid and it's something that you know, I take very seriously, I get, you know, I've talked about this before, about the social media stuff, and, you know, there for a while, in the beginning, you know, I was, I was advised, I wouldn't post any hunting or fishing stuff on your social media if you're trying to build a, a brand in the fight world, and so I didn't do it for the longest time, and, you know, I finally got to the point where I'm like, look, this is me, this is, I'm going to do this, like, if, if, 
if people don't want to follow me because of who I am, well, I don't really care. Don't need I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather have two followers that understand my lifestyle and, and know why I do it than a million people that hate it. So I started posting, you know, and I think over the last few years, I've really grown myself, the brand and myself in the outdoor industry and just shown people like, look, I'm not a quote unquote trophy hunter, which I, I think that term is the stupidest thing ever, but you know, I'm not just going out there. You know, there's a lot of people that don't understand hunting, but you know, I'm not going out and just shooting something, you know, grabbing it, taking a photo and laughing and then walking off. You know, the reason why I go out and hunt, the reason why I'm doing this is to put that meat in my freezer, to live off of that meat. You know, I don't want to have to go to the store to buy meat, you know? Do I do it from time to time? Of course, you know, I'm a meat eater. I'm gonna eat beef, I'm gonna eat pork, I'm gonna eat stuff, you know, if I go to a restaurant. But in my mind, I want to live the, the majority of my life off the wild game that I've gone out and harvested myself, or my wife has harvested, or the stuff that I've caught out of the ocean, out of the river, out of a lake, you know? I don't wanna have to, man, I don't have any meat in the freezer. I gotta run to the store to buy something for dinner. No, I just go out there and I pick from, you know, whatever animal that I had hunted last, you know, and your garden. Yeah. And my garden. That's right. I've, we got the garden growing that's awesome. dude. That thing is on overload right now. I got to start harvesting more, but everything comes at a cost. I've been going over this theme a little bit on a few podcasts of everything in life comes at a cost. You know, one of my buddies, that's an Olympic gold medalist, two time Olympic gold medalist, David Wise, who's a freestyle skier. He's won four X games, gold medals. And he's went through the same thing that you're talking about. Should I post? Should I not post about being this guy? Soybeans come at a cost. He describes it as, you know, when those tractors go through those fields and start mm-hmm. killing them up, you know how many mice get killed yep. to, to put those soybeans in the market? That's right. Yep. Everything comes at a cost. That's true. You eat a chicken at Chick-fil-A, you go to a chicken house in, in Garden City, Kansas and see what's going on. <laughs> go to a slaughterhouse, a beef slaughterhouse and see what's going on. And then go yeah. see how ethical a hunter is on the way that he puts an arrow or a bullet through one time pass on an ethical mm-hmm. harvest shot. Look like saints. I just, I just had an argument back and forth with a guy on social media over this exact same thing. And my, you know, I posted a picture of a hunting picture, you know, and he said, you need to quit killing animals. Um, I think it was, it's a horrible hobby or something like that. So I had to tell this person, like, look, please tell me you've never eaten meat before then, huh? And they said, well, I've eaten meat, but I just think it's stupid that you go out and, and kill animals for fun. And I said, do you not follow any of my posts before this? Like, this isn't, like, is it fun for me? Of course. I love getting in the outdoors. I love pursuing an animal. I love hunting. But I'm not doing it because I enjoy killing something, you know? I'm doing it because I, I live off of this. This is my lifestyle. This isn't a hobby. This is how I choose to live my life. And ended up saying, like, look. You know, I know you've driven a car with leather seats in it. I know you've worn a pair of boots or shoes that have leather on it. Um, you know, if, if you've never eaten meat, you know, where do you think that wheat comes from that you eat, the bread that you eat, that comes from a field that has grown, like you said, tons of mice, tons of rodents, tons of animals get killed during the cultivation of all that. You know, you, I looked on their profile, they had a pet cat. You know, where do you think the cat food comes from that you're feeding them that you buy at Walmart? You know, you think that's all, you know, even even if it is soybeans, that's still something. Everything comes at a cost. And it's like, don't be a hypocrite. You know, like I'm doing this for a specific reason because I choose to live off this meat and this is my lifestyle. You know, if you're going to judge, which I think is completely stupid, this this is the first time in this day and age that hunting is now the not norm. Like it's it's weird to be a hunter where all the way up until this generation this point you know this part of our lives like hunting was normal 
it's weird that it's trying to make that transition to being, you know, it's look, it's so frowned upon and just thought of as such a evil thing, you know, but it's none of us would be here if it wasn't something we've all done. So I don't know. It's just, I went back and forth to this guy. It's tough for me. Like I try to inform people as much as I can. Back when your dad was doing it, Mendez, Mm -hmm. Joe down the street couldn't get on and contact your dad and have an argument with him on Instagram. It's true. You know, people are, are, are hounding you guys on social media because you are who you are. And then you have the audacity to write these guys back. Like you're taking the time out of your life mm-hmm. to show this guy, like, look, I'm willing to discuss this. I'm willing to not, I don't want to argue. I'm just telling you where I come from because we don't need to prove ourselves. No. All we have to do is say, look, dude, everything comes at a cost. And I bet you a hundred bucks. If you come out with me one time and shoot or cast a rod or, or hook onto a bass, you're going to be hooked. You're exactly. going to be, you're going to do it again. And I just, I, I agree with you that the mentality's out there and, and I, and I don't want to get too far off subject. I'm relating it to what you guys are doing that you guys are now doing more than guiding and outfitting. You guys are going to have to answer those questions. Why are you killing? Why are you taking money to take somebody fishing? And it's all about, being able to say, look, man, we know what we're doing as far as everything comes at a cost in this world. We are going to do this ethically and passionately and show people that there, we are a positive voice in this. We're going to do it right because I don't like to get on, on soapboxes and I refuse to do that right now, but I've seen some things on social media by hunters and by fishermen that drive me up a freaking wall. I don't like when animals are disrespected. I, I, I really want to, I want to take the time to show people, look, a monkey could kill a duck. A duck's brain is a sunflower seed. We're not freaking performing heart surgery here, guys. We're killing a duck over decoys that look just like ducks and freaking fields where ducks are coming to feed anyway. <laughs> yeah. So let's not get cocky about this and let's not disrespect the animal. Let's be good voices. Mm-hmm. Let's be compassionate, humble individuals, men and women and kids to get the next generation involved. Yep. Don't be afraid to get, don't get in an argument with a hater or an anti say, Hey, look, this is why I do it. And if you don't like it, I don't, I'm not going to look down on you for being a vegetarian, but 99% of the people in the world are not vegetarians. Yeah. We do get our meat and our protein from somewhere. And that protein comes at a cost. And so do all of those vegetables that those people are eating. So there's a lot of different arguments, but to relate it to gills and thrills, right? Yep. Which is gills and thrills with Guida. I'm talking like that is the most Italiano restaurant <laughs> seafood house. Like that. Dude, that's gonna yeah. dude, that's gonna parlay into a chain of, yeah. of seafood houses. Gills and thrills with live music and crawfish boils and dude, crab boils and lobster and tanks <laughs> and like and Guido running around with his uh-huh. freaking ponytail in and freaking John Mayer in there and shit. Like I, I just I get so happy for my friends that are gonna get to to take off onto a venture like this. And 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 it's because those doors opened and you refused to let them close. And here you are. Now you guys are sitting here going, you're at the end of your fight game, which we all agree in this room that it's probably not the real end of it. <laughs> and Guida's 37 years old. And you just got back from, you were down in Brazil and you fought another living legend in the sport. What, when you, when you think about that fight and you beat BJ Penn, why does BJ Penn still fight? And I understand the fight game and I know that it's hard to turn it off. But has his legendary status been diminished one bit in both of your opinion by what has happened to him in the octagon maybe the last three, four, five fights? Because uh, he, at one time when he was fighting Matt Hughes and the guys, and, and he was dominating. Oh, yeah. So it hasn't been diminished. And if you don't want to answer it, I understand because I love BJ Penn and his career. I, I, I think he's a stud, but it just, why, why continue to get in that ring? 
No, it's a valid question. Absolutely. And that, you know, to clear the air because there's millions of fans out there that are asking the same question. And uh, I have to, you know, say that, yes, I believe that fight came 10 years late because we were both, um, BJ was destroying everybody. He was manhandling Sean Shirk, Kenny Florian, Matt Hughes, Joe Daddy Stevenson, uh, Jens Pulver. He just mangled all these guys. And then he had I beat Diego back then, I would have been in there, and I might have had the same thing happen that happened to Diego. I think they said in that fight Diego landed six strikes, BJ landed like 120, and BJ threw his first head kick and just just I mean he literally cut Diego's head wide open. So um, it might have ten years ago might have been too soon for me to fight him because BJ was he was the best, definitely best lightweight at the time, and a lot of people were saying one of the best pound for pound fighters. Um, but that doesn't take anything away from me fighting him ten years later. The dude's still a legend. It's still BJ Penn. Um, the guy still has natural power like Chad. He's one of these guys that has natural power in his hands. He cut me three times here, here, and here. And every time he hit me, I was like, oh, my God. All right, I'm still in a fight. You know what I mean? So that's why I was just pushing up against the fence, trying to wear him out, stick with what Coach Joey and Coach Danny, my brother, were telling me. Wear him out. After that first five minutes, we got him. You know, So there's always going to be you know, the naysayers. He's been in it. Too long, you know what I mean, no matter what. But who's to say that about someone else? Who, they don't know their passion of, in life, in sport, you know what I mean, in their daily life. So um, good for him. People are going to say the same thing about Chuck Liddell. And, and you, know, you know, Chad, it's the same guys that bash us in the hunting that are bashing, you know, the athlete. Oh, you should have quit a long time ago. It's just, it's just that guy, you know. And, and, I, and, I, and that's what I want to make sure is I'm asking a question of, when you go from the, the, the string of fighters that you say that he manhandled, a guy like Mendez can do the career that he did, which I still consider him, and not just because he's a friend, but and a lot of people have said it to me that you're one of the most talented guys to ever be in there, and you could have been, like, insane. Like, if the day you got the call when you're on the boat, three beers in, and you say, hey, do you want to fight McGregor, and you go in there and manhandle him in the first round, he wins that fight that night in the, in the Aldo fight, which is going to be another Hall of Fame Hall fight. Of fame. Exactly. Um, He's walking away, and he's like, there's nothing that that that, it, that went on where he got like BJ has not looked good in his last outings, right? He fought he fought against you pretty well, but you manhandled him in a lot of ways too. All I'm saying is that what makes a guy want to do that? I'm not looking down on because I understand once you have that mentality, you probably do. But he can sit there and go, hey. I'm, I'm out of the sport. I'm moving on At to the, the next right stage time. of my life. And some people can't do that. He's over in Hawaii. He might get bored of the surfboard. He's like, I'm going to get back in there. I don't know what goes through a guy's mind. He's a natural competitor. Yeah. And uh, one thing I was telling my old man, I was like, dad, you know what? You were at, you and my, uh, I'm sorry, my dad and my brother were at BJ's last victory back in 2010 when he overhand righted uh, Matt Hughes. Because my teammate was making his UFC, uh, UFC debut, Mikey Lulo was fighting uh, Edson Barboza, mm-hmm. and he just leg kicked the piss out of my teammate, and he had to stop. That was the last victory that uh, BJ had. So my my old man was at his last victory, and then he was at my fight down with me in Brazil. He's like, "Holy shit!" That kind of puts it in perspective. My old man's like, "Maybe it might be time to hang it up." But you, you know what? He's a competitor. No, no. no. Here, here's my thought on it, and it's like I, I just try to relate it to my passion with the outdoors. Like, you know, I I had my career in the fight game. I poured my heart and soul into it, went through the extreme grind from beginning to the end, you know, and I have no regrets. You know, like you said, there were some times, some certain fights, if it would have just been a tweak the other way, my life probably would be completely different. But in my mind, everything happens for a reason, you know. Maybe 
who knows what would have happened, you know, if I would have won that Conor fight or the Aldo fight. But I don't have any regrets, man. I took that fight on short notice. The, the Conor fight made a ton of money, you know, had fun getting in there. I didn't have to go through a whole camp and just kill myself. It was just like cut the weight, get in there and fight, you know. Um, you know, and it's it, and for me to be able to get in there and fight a legend like Connor is huge, man. Like, look where, what Connor's done in this sport. So, to me, that's just you know a feather in my cap. You know, the Aldo fight. You know, the first one obviously sucked. Second one was a war, but that taught me so much about myself. You know, going through that entire training camp, going through five rounds, that war with with someone like that, gained a ton of respect for the guy. Um, you know, and just proved to myself, like there was multiple times in that fight where I was like, mentally, I'm done. All right, this is it. I'm done. And something would kick on like maybe two or three seconds after that. And I'm like, no, the hell I'm not, you know, and I'd keep going, you know, and just being able to get to that breaking point and thinking like, I don't have anything left. Like I'm completely tired. I'm exhausted. I can't beat this guy. And then something like clicks and you're like, no, I can and you get back in there, that's going to translate to so much more in life. And for me, the outdoor world, I'm taking that mentality, putting it into my the business, Fins and Feathers, helping Clay grow his, and just, I know he has the same mentality. I mean, he has no quit. Clay has no quit in him, and I think because he has such a big heart, you know, and that mindset, he's going to do well in this, in the outdoor space, you know, and for me, and for going back to, to BJ, and the reason why I think that he keeps fighting i just if it if it has anything to do with the passion and love that i have for the outdoor maybe that's how he feels about the fight game i understand why he wants to keep coming back win or lose you know obviously it's probably going to hurt a lot more getting in a fight and getting the crap kicked out of you versus maybe not killing an elk or something on a hunt but you know if that's what he loves and that's his true passion you know just keep going man (laughs) I don't want to see him get hurt. In my mind, personally, I think he should hang him up. But I just try to like see both sides, and that's I just try to relate it. And maybe that's maybe that's what it is for him. So then, answer that same question with your one of your best friends in the world, and probably your best friend in the fight game, Uriah. What is your reaction to what he's doing? I mean, in all honesty, I was the first guy to text Faber, "Don't do it." Um, you know. Not because I don't think he can. I know he can, you know. I just don't want to see him get hurt. You know, I lost a really good buddy to CTE last year, you know. And and to me, that is something that's a very serious thing. And I don't think we have enough study, uh, enough studying done on the MMA side of brain trauma, Um, you know. And I think Faber had a tremendous career. Like I said, paved the way for all the lighter weight guys, was the champ in the WC for a long time. You know, fought some of the best, you know, the best of the best in the UFC. It did great. In my mind, I think he should hang it up. But like I said, not because I don't think that he can win. I just, I just don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I want him to, he just had a beautiful little baby girl. I just want him to be a, a healthy dad and, uh, you know, keep living the dream with all of us outside the fight game. But, you know, I'm just being honest here. Like I said, I was the first guy to text him. No, I'm sure these guys are probably like, you're an idiot, Chad, but, you know, that's just me well, caring for the guy. Does, with what you just said about what he did, you just did the same thing. You and Abby just had a beautiful little daughter. We did, yeah. Introduce her. Uh, Tallulah Rain Mendez is her name. Little baby girl. She's adorable. My first kid. Um, in all does it honesty, make it easier for you not to go back in the octagon, knowing that you have her to make a, you know, to, to be there for and not get hurt? For me, it does, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, 
I like I said, I have no regrets in the fight game, you know. And I've, me and and Mike have built a successful business. Um, I've done enough in the outdoor industry to where I don't need the fight game for the money part of it, um, you know. And I I had my fun doing it. In my mind, I don't want to f- feel like I'm being selfish because obviously I would love to continue fighting. I love competing, but it's on to the next chapter. I have a beautiful baby girl. I want to be healthy for her. when I'm 50. I want to be able to get out in the woods with her if she's archery hunting or take her fishing or, you know, I don't want to be limping around or in a wheelchair. God knows what, you know. And so for me, it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm done in the fight game. You know, I, I feel like I'm complete. There isn't a part of me that's like, ah, I feel like I still need more. You know, I got in there. I fought the best of the best. Won some lost some part of the fight game made the money that i feel comfortable with doing it i have a college career if i ever need to fall back on and i feel good so for me you say you're done with the fight game you can answer this too guido will you guys be at your eyes fight physically i know you're gonna you're gonna be there with with um selling part of the new business is going to be part of that do you guys the way that abby would look at you in the octagon or the way that Jazz looks at Uriah in the octagon potentially that night. A lot of close loved ones don't like to see that going mm-hmm. on. Will you guys have that same outlook when you look at Uriah in there? And I'm being honest, like yeah. as a friend, as a loving friend, that you guys are that tight with the guy. And I don't know if it was in his last fights or if this fight's any different, but do you almost like like look away or are you in the action and can watch everything go down in live time like that? No problem. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough. I mean, like I said, I just don't want my buddy to get hurt at all, you know, and it's, I don't have any doubt that he's not going to whoop this dude. Like I know Faber is going to whoop the guy. The guy's a competitor. He's an athletic freak. You know, mentally, he's probably the strongest person I've ever met mentally. Like, I don't think I've ever met anybody stronger mentally than Faber. You know, he has everything to whoop this dude. It's just, like I said, the Frankie fight is a perfect example for me. I trained extremely hard for that fight, had no doubt in my mind that I was going to win that fight. And you go out there and get caught. Fight game, man. Four Four ounce gloves. Anything could happen to anybody at any time. And so there's always that in the back of your mind, you know? So it's going to be tough for me. I don't know about you guys, but. No, absolutely. Uh, wrestlers, we stick together. So we're there with every single punch, every, every single takedown. You know <laughs> what I mean? We'll be there with every beat of sweat that comes down. And like Chance said, um, Faber has all the tools to destroy this guy. We know he's going to. But uh, And then he also made a good point about, uh, you know, the Frankie fight. And I feel I have a very similar experience in the cage, too. Um, my last fight at 145, I was fighting uh, – I call it the Ortega factor. I was fighting this dude, Brian Ortega, who I was just piecing up. You know, I, I talked to a, a couple of the judges came up to me after the fight, and uh, they told me they had me do, uh, on one ten eight round, and then 20 seconds left, and I felt that was the best I've ever felt um, with my hands. I didn't get mm-hmm. to the wrestling because he was very slick on the jiu-jitsu, on the chokes and stuff, but I felt very good with what Joey Rodriguez has done with my hands, and I dropped him a couple times. I hit him with so many punches, man. He was just – he had one way to win. And he got me with it 20 seconds left. You know what wow. I mean? And I was just like, wow. I hated and that fight. You, you kind of go back and you think, like Chad <laughs> I was said. Right there. Yeah. yeah. It, these guys, they drove down from, you know, Sacramento six hours to see that. And I feel like I let so many people down. Nah. And it took me so long to come back mentally from that one. Like, what the heck just happened? But it's, And see, uh, what Guida just said right there is something that some people understand and some people don't. Like, as a fighter, like, we hate losing. Obviously, we just don't like to lose. But at least for I know it's for me and it sounds like it is for you too. I feel like I let so many people down. Like I think my biggest fear of losing is not 
because I, you know, I'm not getting the other half of my paycheck or anything like that. I just feel like I just let so many people that I love, so many fans, like everybody down. And then I like, that's my biggest. Fear. See, and I think the mentality from a guy like me or your fans or your true fans is the exact opposite is like, we feel for you like, damn it. We're in there with you. Now we're mm-hmm. going back in that locker room with you, whether it's win or lose. And you guys have done that to, I, and, and we'll end this. This is honestly the first time I've ever done a podcast and I've done over 150 of them. This is the first time I've ever done one in a sauna. Dude, I'm my shirt. Is I, so I soaked my shirt over there. He's using a sweat. I don't know if your eyes trying to give us a hint or something. I dropped six pounds. Oh, it's coming down my leg. Like my pants are sweating, and I, I soaked my shirt. We got to get on your eye. I think he's doing this on purpose. I think he turned Probably. the heat up even more when he walked out. He did, man. But I think that the reason that people get so attached to guys like you too is and we'll end this by the business part of it right after this. But you guys are easily, you guys are accessible. You guys are celebrities. The UFC has made you guys celebrities. And I'm not saying that you guys look at yourselves as celebrity, but you guys are the most easy, nonchalant celebrities that I've ever seen of being able to walk up to and say hello, not just get a picture and autograph from. I'm talking like having full-blown conversations <laughs> and becoming buddies with people like in an instant. I've heard it from people that know you that I've never been around you with. Kelly Parati says the same thing about you back in the day when she was training at Jackson's in New Mexico with you you guys make it that way to where people are going to feel your pain. They're going to feel your love. They're going to feel your stardom. They're going to feel your wins, your losses. They're going to go along for the ride. That's why these businesses are successful and going to be successful because you never take the most important thing for granted, which is the people. You never take those relationships for granted. The dollar is easy. The money comes. Mm-hmm. A monkey can make money as long as he's got a work ethic. We all know that y'all got work ethic. So that is what makes these businesses, the fins and feathers model already. Now it's going to go into, I love the name of it, dude. Gills and thrills with Guida. <laughs> Come for it's, the gills, stay for the thrills. It's, yeah, it. and it's going to be so, it's going to be successful because you guys always put the people first. And that is what makes your endorsements successful. Because when you look at what you've done with Mountain Ops and what you're getting ready to do with Pelican, what you've done with the Traeger brand, what you do with your bow companies and QU and everybody that you work with, it's successful, Mendez, because... You make every single person, which in reality is an in-consumer or a potential in-consumer for these brands, you make every single one of those potential in-consumers that are going to ring that cash register at the end of the day feel like they're part of what you're doing and feel like they can do what you're doing because you've never pushed anybody out. And that is the secret to success is that when you do develop a wall or an ego or an arrogance about it, that's when you're going to start to see people pull away. Now, when you start to, you, I'm not saying that you're going to be perceived by everybody the same exact way, but your guys' businesses have been successful. Your careers were successful. You're coachable. You're teachable. You're sponges. You learn. You're not afraid to be mentored. You're not afraid to be mentored. And that is the most important thing in life to me is that when I call you guys, you answer. Well, you do, Guida. Mendez is maybe like a week later. No, I'm just changing diapers. But you know what I mean? That is the the secret of life is that you make sure that you don't forget about the most important aspect, which is the people. And I'm not saying that everybody out there is the best person in the world, but you guys treat everybody equal. And I truly feel that is why you guys are seeing the success that you're seeing on so many different levels. Because I could name 100 fighters that after they're done, they don't have anything to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And it's sad in a lot of ways. And I see depression sit in. I see shit happen to where I'm like, 
That's all because that red carpet was pulled out from under you because you went from being a fighter in a bowling alley to being on the red carpet in a limousine in the top floor of the Palms and the penthouse and bottle service here and models here and this. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And then the next thing that happens is like, holy shit depression Mm -hmm. and it happens daily and you know i'm right oh yeah and you guys are the exact opposite you guys have put it into in perspective of like look it's the fight game it's there it does not define who we are though what defines who we are and what fins and feathers is and what gills and thrills with guida is gonna be is about to be is because you put the people first so that's a compliment in a long way but it's also a life lesson in my opinion of look it's easy to watch you guys be happy and cast that rod and catch that fish or kill that deer go get that axis meat it's not easy to do the best thing that people can the best thing that people can take away from this is learn how to put people first learn how to look somebody in the eyes and talk to them give them a handshake do what you say you're going to do mm. have compassion and passion for people love for people leave with love one of my biggest things in life guida is the thing that i challenge myself with the most daily is to be a sweeter person i have a buddy named leith lofton he's one of the best country songwriters in nashville yeah, you're opinion. a dick dude right so what i'm saying <laughs> is that my i'm trying to be a sweeter i want to be sweeter in a lot of different ways i want to lead with love a little bit more and and i and and it's a lot harder to say it than it is to actually practice it and do it every day because you can get so turned off in an instant. You can get down in an instant and you know, like your mentality Mendez is always up, up, up. Well, is it really? Are you always that fired up? Do you ever have a bad day? I don't freaking know. Cause you never show it. I, I could contest to <laughs> yeah. it. He doesn't. He, he doesn't. Every morning <laughs> calls me. He's on fire. Woo. I'm going down to the feed store. He's just pumped up just to, just to start the day, just to start, just the, day. to start the day. And that's the thing is that, a lot of people strive for that and that's why these businesses are successful because it's that contagious mentality and that contagious attitude that people are like, God damn, man, how in the heck does, how, how do I get there? How do I find that? How do I get to the point in my life to where I get to wake up every morning and get to be happy going to buy chicken feed or whatever the hell you buy at <laughs> the feed store? Dude, it's true. That is, is that is why you guys are successful in your careers, and that is why these businesses are being successful. It's not because you're the best hunters in the world, because you're not, and neither am I. There's no such thing. That's why getting to be in the outdoors is so humbling, because Mother Nature and God above and the animals, they control us. We I have a saying in my business that is trademarked is, we merely exist in a duck's world. Every single move that I make in my life, the way I raise my daughter, the way that I treat my friends, the way that I make money is controlled by the mallard duck he's in my thoughts all the time as sad as that is to hear he rules my world we merely so exist. how big are their brains again yeah a sunflower seed uh-huh. and we merely exist in a deer's world a turkey's world yeah. a bass's world a striper's world because they control us we put them first we have a huge amount of compassion and that is why these that that this the business success and the models that you guys have right now and the way that you're opening your lives up to where people can reach you it's not because you're going to get them a 400 inch elk and you're the best hunter or fisher in the world again you're not you guys are just okay. You're just average at it, just like everybody else is. Yep. If we ever say, if somebody ever develops an ego around me because they can shoot a 190-inch whitetail out of a tree stand that somebody freaking welded with a welder and they climb up in a tree and deer don't have any natural predators from the sky, they never look up, and then we shoot them at 14 yards down because we went, Meh. And then you you get cocky because of that. It doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Humility is number one, right? I agree, man. One hundred percent, right? Yep. And that's why you guys are successful, in my opinion. And and you know we push adventure. You know it's not just about killing. You know we guided a pig hunt this last weekend, and I had a twelve year old with me, and I told him, I said, you know it's not all about killing. It's about learning things out in the field. Yeah, so, he was he was bummed for a little bit. Like so, we had a, the, a dad and a son, and it was his first big game hunt. And like honestly, the first evening we went out. 
I'd say an hour into it of not seeing a pig. Seriously, we were in it for an hour and he was already getting down. Oh, where are the pigs at? How come we haven't seen a pig? And I'm just like, man, you, this is, <laughs> this is the hunting world. Like it, you're going to have to learn how to be patient. So humbling. Like, yeah, it is very humbling. Like, like you said, it's, it, we live in a pig's world at that point. Like Do you guys remember the scene when Chevy Chase has his shirt wrapped around his head and he's walking through the desert and he drinks his first beer with his <laughs> sunrise. That's what I feel like right yeah. now. Rusty. I feel like I'm in Rusty. the middle of the Sahara Desert <laughs> yeah, and I swear awful. to God a camel is going to walk through this door at any given <laughs> I time. Hey, I just, I just want to say that I have the best job in the world. I get to work with these guys. They're great guys. If you guys get a chance, come out and book one of our trips and you'll see it for yourselves. You know, there's, uh, there's so much adventure. It's so much fun. You know, taking home meat that's just the byproduct of what we do you know no it, really it is. is and it's 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 humbling to be around guys that that and and i i've seen your guys's autograph lines and you guys never put two ounces of shit into that they're just your buddies out there getting an autograph and their pictures you never ever go wow wow look at me and put my chest it's all about the people the fans the animals the lifestyle the freaking the i can't even tell you how awesome it is to live in the culture that we live in daily that i can go out in my backyard and blow a duck call and envision ducks in the air in the middle of july because i'm that freaking eating up with them mm-hmm. i love it i will never make excuses for it i think that your guys is businesses are badass ideas i'm i hope that i get to be a part of them someday i have a feeling i will because i'm a freaking unbelievable partier i can freaking have fun with the best <laughs> of them. you're in <laughs> so as a team, i appreciate it um congratulations on successful careers so let me get this right on the 13th is uriah's fight here in sacramento you guys are going to do the first trip with the tickets the after party the fishing and then you're going to get to vegas the very next day for your induction isn't that on the 14th uh so the vegas induction hall of fame is july 5th before um oh, the week before. ufc 239 so it's during international fight week it's at the pearl de palms where uh, diego sanchez and i try to rip each other's heads off so it's cool it's going to be in that venue um, awesome. You can look us up for tickets. Hit up my mom. The UFC's given us a bunch of tickets, and then you can also buy them either probably on UFC.com or the box office. The next day's a fight, and then the following weekend is uh, the return of favor in Sacktown. So Vegas first week, uh, Fourth of July weekend, and then uh, Sacktown fights with Josh Emmett, Booyah. Andre Feely, Darren Elkins, Ping from China or Japan. So we got yeah, I think That's we have six fighters awesome. on the yeah. card. It's going to be one awesome. thing that you guys need to line up with gills and thrills or through fins and feathers, whatever it falls into, because I'm going to have to learn that if I'm going to be promoting these business and being paid to do so. I got to figure out <laughs> whatever, my commission rate. <laughs> um, October. I was just with Aaron Lewis the other night, and we were, I was talking to him about both of you. I was talking to him about uh, Uriah. His your guys' manager was there. We called yeah. you. A couple yeah, times. that's right. He texted me. He's yeah, like, texting. Yeah. You. Oh, Roberts. Yeah, Roberts. Hey, just I so you know, I, I always get teased, and I get called Aaron Lewis a lot. Oh, oh you my do God. look like Aaron. I, Lewis. Right? It's you got, sometimes on hunts, he'll, he'll some, he wears he doesn't these glasses. Have the, face tat, uh, the neck no, tattoos. Uh-uh. But I can get one. No, he's sitting there with his hat on. When you know, Aaron wears those glasses sometimes, and he he has a pair that's like identical to it, and I'll just be like talking to the clients and I look over and I'm like, hold on. And I have to like take a picture and put up my story yeah. and I tag Aaron every <laughs> single time. Uh, <laughs> so, Aaron's a badass, but hit, yeah. uh, October stains back together with Slipknot. Oh, nice. And now, oh, wow. I'm, and now I'm hearing a rumor that Guns N' Roses is going to be on the bill in Sacramento. It's October, I think 17th or something. But you guys got to get with the, with, with, um, 
Come on, help me out. The manager's name, I'm freaking Mike, Michael. Roberts. You got to get with Roberts and, and talk to him about putting together a trip for that deal with Slipknot oh, yeah. and freaking Stain back together. Yeah, that we could definitely killer. do that. That sure. will be killer in October. Oh, yeah. So, guys, I appreciate it. This has been another Woo. episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode has been brought to you by Chad Mendez's Fins and Feathers Guide Service, yeah. Jack Link's Jerky, and again, to our great friends back there in Peachtree City, Georgia, the Deemer Box. Guys, check them out for the best audio experience on your Bluetooth. I have them around the swimming pool. I have them in the gym when I'm working out. That's how I get, I don't have a dad bod like Chad Mendez does. <laughs> um, I'm excited for the future with all of our partners. The growth of the podcast is so humbling. I can't wait for you guys to see who we have coming up next here. But today, as far as it goes, with Clay Guida, Chad Mendez, Michael Papa, and the great Uriah Faber. Good luck, Uriah Faber, on your comeback fight. Congratulations, Guida, on going into the UFC Hall of Fame on the fight wing with Mr. Diego Sanchez. Congratulations to your new little baby girl to you and Abby thank you and much continued success with fins and feathers and gills and thrills with Guida and I'm talking like I am going to franchise this name for a seafood (laughs) house somewhere we're going to open our first one on the Fisherman's Wharf Pier 39 and we're going to take over San Francisco done you heard it here these badass fighters hunters conservationists fathers friends mentors coaches I appreciate it. I'm humbled. Tom Rashashim, please hit that button and play this theme song of the Foul Life and this Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Leith Lofton, what you gonna do when the money's all gone? Peace. (laughs) Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?